Welcome to Bloody Good Horror. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Bloody Good Horror. My name is Eric, and I'll be your host for this evening, where we will be discussing Lucky, a Shudder original starring Brea, Brea, Brea Grant is who it's starring. I'll ask you and how she prefers to be pronounced. You know, uh, the pandemic might be coming to uh, a slowdown because Schnars isn't here tonight. So there you go. He, as soon as he could get out of here, he's gone. Uh, joining me, though, a lovely crew. First up, from Richmond, Virginia, please welcome Caitlin. Hello. Tonight. I have the same last name. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right, you do. Tonight on BGH, we're going to uh, world premiere, sort of, the trailer. Caitlin, for your podcast, plug it up. So stay tuned for that. Very exciting. Next up on the show, he has glasses on for the first time maybe ever I've seen him tonight. It's a little unsettling. He's from Chicago. Please welcome Joe. Hi, everybody. How are yeah. we doing tonight? You know what it is, Joe? It kind of it kind of um, like harkens back to some of those teenage photos you've shared with us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I guess those ones that you've made fun of for years. Great. That's, that's good to hear. Thanks. Next up on the show from Indiana. Please welcome Casey. Hello. I like your Baby Yoda shirt, Casey. Oh, thank you. Very cool. There's two more, too. That's like Ninja <laughs> Turtle style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, yeah, we're here tonight to talk about Lucky. But first up, Joe, please tell us what we're drinking tonight. Beer guts. Am I the only one who's had that Britney Spears song stuck in their head since Dang. we decided? <laughs> I went back and watched that video, and it is a masterpiece. Um, and now I've just been on a, a Britney kick since then too, so it's been a it's been a great week. Um, but we're here to talk about drinking uh, with the the movie Lucky, a, a heartwarming tale of a a woman just dealing with some stuff, some man things, and people not believeving her. And men, oh, am I right, oh, Joe? Just. Fuck them, huh? Men be shopping. Um, and so a lot of confusion, a lot of things we'll get into. Um, in honor of that confusion, I picked a, a beer from the good folks at Old Irvin Brewing Co. Uh, they're they're right here in Chicago, Illinois. The beer I picked from them is their Cosmic Kerfuffle. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it was a good thing. Uh, so this one. And I've obviously done a ton of IPAs, like almost weekly at this point. Uh, but this, a triple, as they call it. So it's a, it's a spicy meatball. Mm. Um, Galaxy and Citra hops they put in there. So a lot of, as you might expect, uh, a lot of um, citrus flavor in there. Very powerful. Comes in at 10% alcohol, um, which 
if you're you're dealing with the patriarchy, you're gonna want to wrap up the night with a few beers that are uh, you know gonna shoot right through the roof and uh, help you help you go to sleep. Um, this one's great, Old Irving. Great place. Uh, they're they're actually like a brew pub. We've been there a bunch of times. Really good food, but they also can and distribute their stuff. Not super far outside of Chicago, so you got to make the trip here. Um, you know, if you're like John and and don't believe that there is a pandemic. Take a trip now. Uh, just just come on over or, right. or wait it out. Uh, strong words from the guy who took a cross-country trip, including visiting the Spam Museum in the middle of uh, spring or whenever that was. Yeah, we were in a um, an RV. <laughs> <laughs> um, anywho, so yeah, 10% alcohol, super up there. But, you know, you don't get like I've talked about like that alcohol burn and other beers. Like really the hops kind of take the forefront here. So, you know, it's it's very easy drinking, which, you know, can get you in trouble. OldIrvingBrewing.com is their website. And uh, two big thumbs up to, to everything that they do. So definitely check them out if you can. Love it. Thank you for that, Joe. Let's do it. Let's take a quick break and discuss Lucky. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Fuck the front time. Main feature. And we're back. It I like that you defend your uh, your boyfriend there. I, I did. I got a little touchy there for a second. I don't know. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. I just realized that John is not here. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, so I guess no word of the day. Um, and also, Caitlin, I- <laughs> your t- your time to shine. Yes. <laughs> I know. I didn't look anything about this movie. I do it now. Well, Caitlin, you want to say some smart stuff, and then I'll um, start reading from the IMDb page. <laughs> The generous assumption that I can pull off some smart stuff, but oh, lucky. I think the screenplay is by Bria Grant. I believe so. Yes. Directed by someone else, which we'll get here momentarily. <laughs> um, I don't know how much we want to spoil, but a a big metaphor of a movie, and um... <laughs> we you got like twenty minutes. To yeah. Fill, okay. So uh, based on what John usually does, so. Lucky is indeed written. Um, by Brie Grant. It is um, directed by Natasha Kermani. And there's a bunch of people involved in this that have been... Um, what was that haircut movie we did a couple weeks ago that I cannot remember the name of right now? Bad Hair. Yes. They were all... there. The team behind this also, there was a bunch of people involved in that one. She, Brie Grant is actually the the woman in the very beginning of that movie that gets... She's like talking about her wedding and then she gets killed. Um right. And there's this group of women that have worked on a bunch of these horror film projects together. And so they're sort of behind this thing. Yeah. And um, do you want to talk, do you want to give the, just a little plot synopsis there, Caitlin? Yeah. So we follow May and I believe her husband's name is Ted. And May is a self-help type sort of maybe business management type of author. I was thinking like a, a better Rachel Hollis, maybe a Brene Brown type, but she writes self-help books and she's going through a bit of a rough patch with her um, with her agent, and she's just generally kind of having a, a rough go of things in her marriage, and things sort of start to unravel when she is attacked over and over again every day by a masked figure. Um, kind of iffy on whether the people around her believe her, 
and we sort of watch her unravel and watch things unravel around her. Um, it's kind of hard to give a, a good synopsis of this one without giving away the twist. So yeah, it's a little groundhoggy. It's a little bit like a serious version of Happy Birthday to me, kind of. But it's less. It is less like a full-on time loop than it is just these things keep happening to her every single day. So like the yeah. world is moving on around her, but there are these action, these things happening to her that she's sort of stuck. And the really like the first scene, her partner's basically like, oh yeah, this is in the trailer. Her partner's like, oh, that's the guy who tries to kill us every night. And she's like, um, what? And then pretty quickly he disappears. And so like, there's a lot of confusion as you move, go along as to, how much the characters sort of know about what's going on. And so it's a lot of her trying to kind of unravel the mystery of what's happening. Yep. And then allegory. So much. Yes. So much. I think we did a great job. Yeah. Considering I wasn't ready until two seconds before it happened. I think we did pretty good. <laughs> I read summaries for my podcast and I read it like, and then this. So to, to go off the cuff, I'm, I'm proud of us, Eric. Love it. Um, Joe, what do you think of this? Um, so I, I, I pushed pretty hard for us to watch this, um, based on a, a few of our listeners. I saw some really great feedback. Elisa, um, who I, I'm butchering her name again. I, I just realized, but she was a huge fan and, and posted a bunch about this. So I, I was very adamant that we watched this. John kind of poo pooed it. What was that movie? He kept comparing it to that. Um, no idea after that, midnight. There yes, you go. Um, kind of comparing it to that. Um, so, which is not really like at all. No, I mean, I guess a monster comes at night, right? Like, which yeah, to okay. my point in the email, like that's ninety <laughs> percent of the movies we watch. But whatever. <laughs> I will say, I thought Carrie Mulligan was the uh, lead actress Same. in this when I kept pushing for it, Same. and I'm like, hey, we can't go wrong. We loved that. Uh, Love that Carrie Mulligan. Young woman. Yeah. Yeah. Turns out, not her. Um, okay, but before. really oh, quick, I just want to point out it wasn't bad hair that this team worked on, it was the stylist. stylist. Yes, the stylist. There you go. So, I ended up enjoying this for the most part. I mean, it's it's very on the nose. Uh, a lot of the like quote unquote message that they're pushing for here, but I it didn't bother me. I, I think I really like um, Allison Brie, who <laughs> the main character, Brie Brie Grant. Grant. Um, I think she's a lot of fun in this. I, I saw some criticism that, you know, every character besides her seems to be like living in this different world, but, and like, she's almost like in a different movie, but I, I feel like that kind of fits it's with the, yeah. the plot that they're going for here. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if I would rank this in like my top 10 at the, the end of the year, but I thought it was interesting enough to, to keep me entertained and, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed the last like 15, 20 minutes where it, you know, pops off as much as it can. There's definitely some slow parts, but overall I, I thought this was pretty entertaining. Casey. So I struggled with this movie. There's this movie's got some pacing problems for me in the first two acts that makes it hard to sit, get through to where it pops off. Like Joe's talking about, and he's not wrong. And that's not to say that I hated the movie or anything like that. It's just for that's me, crazy. it was harder to connect to, uh, and so it was harder to pay attention to. It didn't really hold my attention. That was my biggest problem with it. I thought the actors were fine. I thought it, you know, Bria Grant was fine. If I was in a better headspace to sit down and watch this, I think I'd probably do better with it. You know, if, when I was in a mode to actually sit down and kind of analyze a movie closely, 
because this is very obtuse. Like we've mentioned the allegory metaphors and stuff like that. And if you can't pay attention to it and if you struggle with those pacing problems, you're going to have, you're going to lose a lot out of this movie. I think you'll lose a lot of the message, the first two which acts, is the problem I had. The first two acts are kind of quiet and subdued in a way that's surprising for a movie. That's about a man trying to kill people every night. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that's the, but like, again, that's more of a, my problem than a movie problem. I'm not trying to say that it was a crap film that's, or anything, but you got to be aware of those things going in. Right. Listen, I, I admire you admitting that Casey, cause I've had those days as well. Yeah, <laughs> was was the main character agoraphobic? I don't, I don't, I don't remember that in the. Uh... <laughs> Caitlin, do you get that one? <laughs> I don't. Caitlin, what do you think of this movie? <laughs> um, I've gone back and forth a little bit on this one. I really like Bria Grant, um, partially because I like to think that she's my long lost cousin. And partially because I think she's really a good scream queen. Um, and feminist horror should be right up my alley in a lot of ways. But I did struggle with this. Um, the dialogue, I think, in particular for me was hard. There are a couple of shining points about that. And we can get into those scenes in a little bit. But from the, the sort of scene when they're in the parking garage, I think um, John's not here. But in the email, he said he would have appreciated a shred of nuance. And I, I think I can agree with that. Um but, I mean, overall, the message is effective, and it's true. I mean, women do live in sort of constant and persistent danger, and there is danger everywhere in this movie. Everybody kind of acknowledges it, which is what we do as a culture. We acknowledge that we live in a rape culture and that patriarchy is a huge problem, but like in the movie, we don't really do a whole lot to change it. And we do kind of have this culture where it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. And then we just pause and Bria Grant's made to feel like she's the crazy one. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of gas the, lamping in this movie, Caitlin. There's a lot mm. of yeah, really gas, gas lamping and gaslighting yeah. both. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I struggle a little bit with movies that are all metaphor. Um, so Eric, I think it was you in the email that had mentioned mother. <laughs> um, and I saw mother after I knew that it was supposed to be an allegory. And when I saw it with that knowledge, I was like, this is brilliant. Yes. And I think, you know, I, I figured out pretty early on that we were working with some heavy metaphors here, but I think had I looked at the movie, not sort of as this, you know, narrative that's going to be interesting and easy to follow, but as an allegory, I would have been more on board from the beginning. So I went back and forth a little bit, but I, I am in the positive camp now. Yeah, I, um, I enjoyed this movie. I do. I agree with a lot of the, like, I think that the first and, and to a large degree, the second acts are a little slow and sleepy in a way that makes it made it kind of a little difficult for me as well. And it's also just like, it's a little too obtuse kind of Caitlin to your point. And it's why I actually appreciated it. It's weird. Normally I'm a little sensitive to, to like the dialogue in these things being too on the nose and that parking garage scene in particular, it definitely teeters on like, maybe we don't need to be like quite as explicit here, but on the, on the other hand, the rest of the movie is so obtuse. Those are sort of weird like breaths of fresh air for me when the movie was just telling me what the hell was going on. Like, what are we talking about here? Because there was too much to me of just like this weird thing where other characters like snap into zombie mode and just like prattle on for a while. And I get that a lot of it is when they snap into this mode. And this is obviously part of like the whole allegory. Like they just start saying kind of very cliched things. Um, 
It's platitudes about platitudes their strength that, and yeah, being they, a woman in this culture. And, they start and gaslighting that, her. There's a lot of excusing of things that might have happened to her or maybe making her question kind of her recollection of events, right? Um, it's just like, it's like two full acts of that before anything really starts happening. So I, why I liked the parking lot, the parking garage scene is that visually the movie really picks up like this. There's some really cool lighting mm -hmm. in this scene. Um, where everybody in the foreground is red and everything in the background is, I want to, it was either, I think it was blue maybe. Um, but I really didn't like the ending. I needed a little more. I think Caitlin, to your point, like, um, I don't know. It's weird. I, I get that to some point it's a, it can be, we talked about this with promising young woman because they, they give you somewhat of a catharsis and they do a really good job in that movie of like threading a needle where it doesn't fully feel like cheap movie catharsis, but it's definitely trying to ride the line, right? Like, cause it's not, it, that's not always reality. And that's sort of, this movie just kind of does neither. This movie just sort of brings you right up to the edge and then just cuts to black. And it's like, it might as well be like, go to www. to figure it out. Cause like you, I, I don't know. I felt like I needed a little more. Um, but I do appreciate what it's doing. Some of my favorite moments, like I said, are those on the nose moments where I really like the scene where there's all the people in her house at once. It's like the paramedics and the social workers and like they all start shouting platitudes at her at once. And that to me is the mm -hmm. scene where I think all of this movie comes together maybe the best in one moment. I could also see it being a scene that sort of turns people off for being like too on the nose. But I actually was... John couldn't be here, but I, I think it should be said that this, I mean, might be his top movie of the year. I don't I mean, we'll see at the end, but um, <laughs> I specifically said that scene that you're talking about, Eric, like I love the paramedic when he shows up because he's they're 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 always kind of playing with the like the the cop when he's interviewing and, and pretty much everyone she interacts with. They're always kind of playing with the dismissive or you're crazy yeah. type attitude that she's getting. When the um when the paramedic shows up, he's the first one. Like the, I I rewound it two or three times and laughed hysterically because the look he gives her there, is just like this. He's funny. What? Like, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. hilarious. Um, so like specifically, I was talking to John about that. Like, I think I love this paramedic. And then like it does kind of amp up from there, right? Like it's very sort of everybody's flashing at her and kind of in her face. And like, I agree. That's where it gets. I think a lot more interesting to me. I mean, it's. I don't want to say unfortunate, but it, it kind of is that it's like the last 20 minutes, right? Like yeah. I almost wish that the, uh, the rest of the tone was that kind of over the top. Cause I, I think I would have enjoyed it yeah, a lot like more it, earlier. The earlier parts of the film to me almost need a little more edge. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like it, it felt a little more like they were just trying to drive home the message rather than like make a movie out of it. If that makes sense. Like, well, they you know, like I, disappearing after getting killed that I was like, well, yeah. is this like a supernatural, like what, but you know, realizing that it's just the repetition and the persistence of there being danger all the time. And you wake up and you do it again the next day. And it's every single day. Yeah. And I, yeah. yeah. But I was like, but is he supernatural? Like I was getting caught up a little bit in the weeds with that. I thought it was interesting. I, I, Go ahead, Casey. I was going to argue with the comment that Joe had made about how, um, kind of how it felt like the first two acts they were constantly they shouldn't have concentrated as much on that stuff i think they were leaning too hard on them trying to pull through the metaphor right 
I think that's probably what caused a lack of a lot of that edge necessarily than hitting it on the over the head with the message. It was more trying to hit us over the head with that metaphor and get that set up to last throughout the whole thing, I think, is where it probably struggles. Well, when I say edge, I mean just like a little more urgency, like Joe's talking about. This comedic tone doesn't come in until later, like maybe even a little bit more of that, a little bit more biting. It's just kind of it kind of languishes for a while. Um well, that's and it could just be sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but like it, it could honestly just be that I enjoyed that so much, like that specific scene that I kind of looked back and wished like, yeah. oh, I would have liked more of that because I, yeah. you know, I found specifically like this paramedic so funny. And then like the interactions after to be like, it sounds kind of sick to say like entertaining, but like it was very, you know, the the feel of that scene versus the other, you know, the yeah. sort of hour before that. I'm with you guys. I really though. I, I, I love Bray Grant, and I think her performance in this is really good. I think it ties it together. Uh, I thought she was great. I think yeah. it ties it together yeah. a lot more than it might have under some with someone else on it. You know, it's funny talking about like the the humor the humor side of the like that last 20 minutes. I think there was a couple attempts to work in a couple what could be considered dark humor, but dark jokes or something in there. And I don't think that they just landed well, because there's a couple times and usually it was lines delivered by Bria Grant with a facial expression or something that kind of chuckled. But then with the pace of the movie and stuff like that, it left me kind of wondering, well, am I supposed to find that funny or is that I did. I actually, I actually did think it was pretty funny. It's kind of the bleakness of being like, you know, she's patronized. The cop is really patronizing to her. Yeah. The paramedic yeah. is like, oh, honey, like very patronizing <laughs> yeah. to her. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this is so fucking infuriating that it's comical to me because, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of women and I, I'm sure a lot of men in certain scenarios have experienced that where it's just like, no, I'm not crazy. Like that's kind of right. mo- well, that and that—that's a really interesting line. It's a really, to me, an int- very interesting line to try to ride with subject matter this serious, like to try to actually make it funny. So I, I think, yeah, I commend it for kind of hitting those, hitting those notes. I, Caitlin, we were talking pre-show. I thought it was pretty interesting. Curious your thoughts on like, it seemed really pointed to me that her like guy, her like murder guy, was very just like straight lace looking, like very like what well, he literally had a suit on. And mm-hmm. like very well, well coiffed hair. And then it was also interesting that when she is ex- when she discovers that other women have their dudes, they all look different. Like I almost wish there was mm-hmm. a little more. The message seemed to me to be like, this is it's not a scary, crazy looking murderer person. It's just the people you know that are there all the time. Well, yeah, it's John that we got from promising young woman. You know, <laughs> exactly. We were- yeah we were rooting for Bo Burnham so much in that movie. And we find out that he's part of the problem too. And I think, you know, historically when people would talk about rape culture, when they would talk about, you know, sexual violence against women, it was this idea that it's some creepy dude in an alley, but in reality, it's, you know, a lot of the men that we work with, it's a lot of the men that we call friends and that can appear one way and act very differently. Yeah. It kind of confuses it a bit too, when you look back on it with the allegory of the whole thing and that they have, if they're all of their dudes look a little bit different and stuff like that, it kind of takes away from the, this is anybody and everybody, you know, well, not really though, because, because every woman is different. Right. So like the, the, her version of like what that, my normal dudes kind of, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm. yeah, that's true. But I I, I do, I I think it kind of adds to the fact that it's like just anyone walking down the grocery store aisle, you know? Yeah. And I I wish the movie almost would have, 
and it's an amalgamation of all different kinds. Okay, of Okay, yeah, I didn't understand what was happening at the end because at no. one point it, go, it goes to an old dude. So I'm like, is this person aging? Like, is it? I get what I thought it was supposed to be. What you're saying, Caitlin, like it was very like a, was that Michael Jackson music video? Oh, black or white? <laughs> black yeah, or yeah. white? Yeah. I just took jammed. it as like a. This is just like a mashup of like every guy she's ever interacted with and had these sort of issues, you know, like that's, but yeah, I, I agree. It was a little for, I mean, obviously this person disappears every night and there is like to Caitlin's point, like a supernatural element, but that like last sort of shot is really the only time where we get like a something wonky is, is like (laughs) happening right in front of her face. Right. That, That was one of the things that I noticed in this movie that, We've been talking a lot the last couple of weeks about plot hole problems with plot holes in the last couple of episodes we've had with the movies we've been watching. And the only one that really stood out to me as a plot hole for this movie, and it wasn't necessarily a plot hole, but at one of the points where she stabs this dude in the back and she pulls the blade back and they make a point to show you spray it. She sprays a big puddle of blood on the floor and the wall and everything. And then she wakes up and everything, he's disappeared and she cleans up the blood. And throughout that whole movie, she's getting the asshole treatment from the cops saying, well, miss, where's your husband? How long's it been? It's like, leave the blood, show him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was kind of confused by that. I emailed my town recently to uh, get some of the plot holes fixed at the end of my uh, <laughs> it's my very, <laughs> It's very confusing, though, because it's like, is she getting in trouble? Like, people just kind of, uh, you know, I don't know. There could have been more like tension. There crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's more just the condescending in general, though, right? Yeah, it's definitely the, like, you've called us three times and there's nothing here. We're getting a little aggravated. I did really enjoy the scene where she's like, well, if I report him missing, you'll just go get him, right? Like, I know where he is. <laughs> right. Can I just do that? Like, <laughs> that tension and interaction with the, um, I mean, the I don't know what is it, the investigator or whatever, like, I really thought was interesting. Like, the, the way she was kind of like, sick of his bullshit and kind of throwing that in his face. Yeah. And then like nothing really comes of it. Well, what I was trying to say is that like, you know, there are, I feel like times in women's lives where we are sick of it and we're trying to throw it in your face and it's like, okay, sweetie, like, thank you. We'll look into that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of the, like I thought best little sequences of dialogue was when it's, it's after the husband comes back, it's towards the end. And he's just like, is he, I don't remember husband or boyfriend or whatever. He just starts fully gaslighting her. And he's just like, well, you were acting crazy and you were really mean to me and hurt my feelings. And she's just, she's just looking at him like stunned. Because he says, you know, I was trying to come up with a solution and think rationally and you were really mean. It's like (laughs) all the buzzwords. Crazy. To be fair, she was really mean to him. Well, he said, (laughs) if you could calm down. Which I think is. Calm down. Infuriating phrase for anybody here, but especially. The way it's directed to women often is just yeah. rage inducing. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I mean. Why, like, I don't, I'm not necessarily bothered. I'm not necessarily bothered by those non moments because the way they're written feels so, uh, like, authentic. Yeah, think, absolutely. Like, for sure. Uh, one of the moments I really liked was when, so her publishing agent comes to her house and lets her know that the the book deal has gone through, and he says, "You're so lucky." Ooh. <laughs> Um, she like goes off like, no, I'm not lucky. I've worked my ass off for this and I've busted, like, you know, I've just been, you know, working so hard. And I feel like I've had that moment before where someone can be patronizing and I am someone that takes a lot of pride in their career and in the work that they do. And someone's like, wow, how lucky for you. That's great. And it's like, no, I earned this. (laughs) And I 
in my bones. That scene is really interesting because I could say like a lot of the other interactions, like the characters know they're being patronizing to her, right? Like they're obviously going above and beyond just like, all right, sure, sure, sure. We'll get to this. That scene, the guy actually thinks he's being nice, right? Like to the point where, you know, me looking like I do being who I am, I'm watching. I'm like, maybe she is lucky. <laughs> like, <maybe this. laughs> but like you're watching and you're like, no, that's a totally fucking dickhead thing to say. And like, it's interesting watching this, like from my perspective, because I'm like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, like I probably would have said the same thing if I was in his boots. Right. Like, yeah. so it's, it's, I feel like they really played those characters that she interacts with like so well. And I'm assuming from personal experience too, with, with a lot of, you know, like specifically with her and probably a lot of people that were involved in creating this. So I just thought it was like really well done. Uh, The interesting thing to me about that scene is that he, at least the way I read it was like, he kind of acknowledges her after she says that, like, it's kind of the, it felt like the one moment in the movie where a character actually was like, you know, you're right. Like, you know, I don't know. How did you read that, Caitlin? It did take her sort of like really laying into him, though. Totally. And mm-hmm. well, of course, yeah. of course. Kind of saying like, "I earned this, you asshole." Of, co- of course, but given the fact that everyone else in the movie ignores her regardless of what she says, I just thought it was interesting for them to include, at least the way I read it, like that moment with that with him. Someone that teeters like a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of more nuance or something. Well, he didn't just go into zombie mode. Like, like there's a very, when I say zombie mode, like it's a stylistic, like writing choice to have, like the characters almost, it's like a script flips on or something. Like they turn into robots when she's talking to them, but he doesn't, like he out. doesn't do that. Yeah. I don't know. It's, well, it's that happens with the sister-in-law character, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, you know, when she's talking to her and, and that's a fellow woman that she's talking to. And it's, I think it's interesting that they made that choice, but when she's talking to Sarah about these problems that she's having and how terrifying it is and how angry she is, Sarah's dialogue slips into these like very sort of, I don't know, trite platitudes about like, that's so hard. You're working so hard. You're such a strong woman. Oh, you. Yeah. (laughs) But it's interesting because they also show, you know, Sarah bends over and, May sees a scar on her back and it's like, oh, of course, Sarah being a woman in this society has been victim to something too. Right, but she's sort of like, I don't even remember how I got it. And yeah. that's, mm. you know, that's a rough scene because it's like, oh yeah, we all have these traumas and some of us are just at this point. Well, and that's how she kind of, yeah, exactly. It's like, she's kind of um, in a daze, like dismissive of it. And then looking back, obviously like that's our first real clue of like the larger reveal that like every woman has one of these. Yeah. One of these mm. men, these dudes. What do you think? Yep. What do you think looking back, Caitlin, about your like initial reaction on it? Cause like people, I mean, people don't know, like over email, you were pretty strong against, or just like had some conflicted feelings. I'm curious, like how that's changed or how you feel about it. You used a lot of different font sizes too, Caitlin, which <laughs> that's actually true. That that's was an interesting <laughs> choice. <laughs> I liked it cause it kept my attention. Not like when I'm reading John's. Um, so yeah, I know John came down pretty negative on it. And I think at the end, I was just really disappointed that it was so heavy. I, I, like I said, if I had known what they were going for ahead of time, I think I would have appreciated it for what it was, but because they were doing this sort of like supernatural groundhog day kind of thing, I was like, well, what, what direction are we going? 
And I think the parking garage scene, it is lit really well. It's a really cool scene. But the line, you know, we are being attacked all the time. There's no rationalizing it and there's no saving us. And That's then specifically, the yeah. yeah, she says, well, maybe if we all work together and, and uh, May says like, no, we're just fucked. Like, I think that for me was really heavy handed. And I don't it know. Sounds I, like characters I, reading, I, it sounds like characters reading script notes. Like, yeah, <laughs> where a yeah, script I, is describing what's happening and then the characters just straight up reading it. Yeah. <laughs> For me, that was a little like, ugh, maybe I wish we wouldn't have done that. And in the end, I did struggle with a little bit because she pulls the mask off of the attacker. And it's, you know, I guess we can talk about what that actually was. But for me, I read it as an amalgamation of like all men. And like, I don't want to get into a place where I'm defending hashtag not all men. Like, that's not <laughs> a place where I want to be. But at the same time, it's like, I, you know, I know, like, we're talking about patriarchy as a concept, and that, you know, it's not talking about all men. And I've done feminist activist work for over a decade. It's really important to me. And I think sometimes when really heavy handed messages come out, it feels like it can cheapen yeah. the movement and the really hard work that people are doing. Um, so I think I was a little frustrated at just how ham fisted it felt. But at the same time, they're not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you know, those yeah. are important messages and they're not wrong. But um, I don't know. I think it just, you know, I've done this work for so long and I've been in it. And I just uh, sometimes when pop culture feminism just, um, you know, flexes a little too, not too hard, but just sort of like a little goofily. <laughs> and well, like, and mm. it can be hard. I mean, listen, especially as as men in this space trying to talk about it, it can be hard trying to know where that line is. Um, and if you even feel comfortable, like t calling it out, if it just, if it feels like not genuine or something, not, not genuine, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, like it's not threading the needle, you know, it's pretty uncomfortable as a dude saying you weren't a big fan of this movie at the beginning of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, yeah, I, no, I but wish I'm not saying it's not unwarranted either though. Right. Well, John was here so that Joe could, you know, deride him about being a woman hater. But well, honestly, <laughs> like, and a lot of my issues too are less to do with the messaging than they are with like the movie part of it, like the genre movie part of it. Yeah. And I feel like more often yeah. than not, that's yeah. where a lot of my criticism ends up. Well, in it, these movies. It's Sorry. No, I, I like the messaging because, like I said, they're not wrong. And at the end of the day, that's what's important. Like the takeaway here is that this is real and this is pervasive. But at the same time, I just, for whatever reason, the manner of communicating it was just felt kind of clunky to me. And that's, you know, just cause that's not my communication style doesn't mean that it won't resonate with someone else. Yeah. So, and I also yeah, get, absolutely. I also get to the, like my enjoying of getting some kind of catharsis in promising young woman is like, of course, and life isn't like that. You don't always get that. So it's like, you know, it's the filmmaker's choice to not do that, but it's just yeah, that it's, it's not even a lack of catharsis to me. It was just a lack of clarity by the end that kind of bugged me on some of the stuff, but. It's well, I mean, it, even to the the point with John, like I was, because I think I was the second person to watch this. Uh, so John kind of sent his thoughts, and I started messaging him, and I'm like, you know, I don't even think I can make the uh, you hate women jokes about this, right? Because I, I get all of his complaints, and I understand, but I mean, I think for me, like specifically, the lead actress's performance, like, kind of nailed this home for me. And what Eric and I talked about, like those last twenty minutes, I just enjoyed so much that it really. I don't want to say save this for me, but like that tone, I just, I loved so much that I, I ended up finding this really enjoyable. 
honestly, us talking about it's warmed me up to it a little bit more than my original response to, because you look back on some of the writing and how they do this stuff and some of the stuff we've been talking about with the systemic problems and everything that's surrounding this, they're not even coming out and saying necessarily all men are violent and evil and treat women like shit. But they do say it's really easy for these people to slip into that mode and not even realize how to do it because it becomes second nature and that's where the problem lies. You well, can yeah. kind of see some focus that way. Yeah, it's cultural. And it's right. you know, not necessarily the fault of individuals that that's the culture that we have, but it is you know the responsibility of us as individuals to change it. Right. And, and, that, and it, they kind of highlight that with the when how when these people start regurgitating this stuff, they kind of flip into that robot zombie mode, right? And well, that's you a don't lot really of that, relate to doing I mean, then those are a, a, a lot of very similar themes to Promising Young Woman, like just the specific kind of language that's used and the, called the wider cultural net that sort of keeps these things like in place. Um, well, and you know, I I was frustrated just because, like I said, this wasn't this isn't the style that I would have chosen to communicate this message with. But when I sat down, like I very dorkily have like a pros and cons list right here in front of me I in my notes, it. and like, like yeah, we know, like your Jim from the <laughs> office. <laughs> I am <laughs> Jim, um, but I have so many pros, and the only con was that the dialogue was pretty you know, goofy to me at certain points and that the dialogue was like just a little cringe and cringe enough to make me be like, no, like, I don't want to be like, you know, I'm doing good feminist work. These people are being silly. And that's exactly the wrong takeaway from this. Like, that's not the kind of person I want to be. It's not the kind of feminist I want to be. So I don't know. I'm leaning. My initial reaction was just sort of like, oh, cringe. But now I'm like, you know what? They're not fucking wrong. Well, also, I don't know. what I mean, it's a pandemic right now, but this thing came out this was like a shutter original. It's like the perfect platform for this kind of a movie. It's. Oh yeah. Like, you know, the we we've seen a lot of this tier of indie movies as far as like budget wise. Um, and it's awesome that there's like a platform for all that stuff to come out on now. And it's just, it's one of the cool things about shutter is you get such a wide, you know, you get this, but you also get like psycho Gorman. Yeah, and we brought this up a million times, but it's kind of it's another way of showing that Shutter's kind of taken that place of those old DVD sets, like the Eight Films to Die For, or something like that. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I would put this above an Eight Films to Die For. Yeah, Eight Films. That's trash. just the name I thought of. There's <laughs> other collections out there like that that they used to release some of these this tier of movie in. You know what's the worst, Joe? You had to pay full price for each one of those movies if you went to the theater, like yeah, full yeah. movie ticket price for what was basically. Yeah an eighth of a good movie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even the DVDs were like, you know, 12, 13 bucks or something. Yep. I did want to say, um, I liked the sort of home alone style scenes where she's like at the hardware store buying like rope and hammers. Uh, and we get to see the different ways she's going to kill him. That was, that was, that was, I am a sucker for a good shopping revenge <laughs> scene. Like I, I love, I just enjoy going to like home Depot or Menards here in the Midwest in general. So I just like watch watching people shop at, at hardware stores anyway. But yeah, yeah, hard to agree there. Love to see the kills. Mm. Yeah, what it's else? pretty bloody. It was what? Pretty it's bloody? Pretty bloody, pretty violent. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, that was my catharsis of it. It was like, oh, good. Like, it sucks that she has to wake up and do it again every damn day. But like, yeah, there's something <laughs> kind of a, there's something kind of nightmarish, though, about like, having to brutally kill someone every single day. Like they just come back. Like there's something very like, I don't know. It's an interesting 
psychological aspect to it. I mean, that's how activism work feels sometimes, you know, yeah. you're like up every single day and every time you take down one, it's like, Oh God damn it. Like totally. And like when we're in the um, yeah. parking garage, you see some of the women just like brutally murdering these dudes. Like she's, yeah. she's kind of always doing the same thing, but the one woman, I think towards the end, right at the end of that parking garage sequence is just like pummeling this dude's head. Like, it's just very like, uh, visceral, the violence. Oh, there is one. I remember why I was getting a little frustrated. So at the beginning of the movie, we see a crack in a plate, in a dinner plate. We see yes. a crack in the parking garage. We see a crack in the um, vanity mirror on her car visor. And like, I was like, so is she the one who's cracking? Like, are we supposed to think that she's going crazy? Because that would totally negate a lot of Every, the other stuff. Yeah, everything else, yeah. So I was kind of confused by that symbol, like, you know, are we seeing the cracks in patriarchy or are we seeing the cracks in her sort of stability and connection? I It's interesting because in somewhere in the second act, I couldn't tell you exactly which scene it is. There was a brief moment there where I thought maybe this movie that they were going to unveil that she was the one that was abusive and she was oh. blocking it out. What? And taking it out on him, and they were coming at it from that direction, which goes along with your idea. I'll give you this, too. Casey. I wouldn't have seen that coming if that was what no. Happened. Like, yeah. wow, what a <laughs> but it was what it a was twist for twenty twenty one. Was talking to him, so she's kind of gaslighting him, her as well. So it, it kind of made it come across Any like different. Okay, like, well, no, no, I'll give you this. In that conversation, if this was a different movie. I would have thought maybe she killed her husband because there was a weird moment where it seemed like maybe he was right. dead and she didn't know or something. Yeah, um, and I didn't think that after the movie, but mind you, it was before when I'm still trying to figure out that, you know, before I knew there was an allegory at play here. Well, if that was the twist, well, I think we would have been watching this on Fox News. <laughs> Casey's like, you know, the whole time I thought twisting me, the woman was a villain all along. Huh? Yeah. I, I might have liked that. I, um, <laughs> The, the sort of subplot of her cheating on her husband, it's I, part of me was like, this feels irrelevant. And part of me is like, well, when you're bringing forth these narratives of sort of violence and abuse against women, like you don't have to be a perfect victim. You right. know, like you don't have to be like completely innocent or anything like that. And you can still be a victim of a patriarchal culture. Well, so at first there's, I'll, yeah, go ahead. Like at first I was like, I don't really care about this subplot about her having cheated on him and their marriage being shaky. Yeah, that was... But now that like we're fleshing it out, I'm like, well, you know, n and it's not saying like all women are good, all men are bad. It's just saying that this is a pervasive, pervasive cultural issue. That point too about being the perfect victim is something they um, kind of bring home in some of the dialogue. Like when they're asking the one, I think it's a paramedic or a social worker is like, oh, so he beat you? to the husband about the husband. She was like, no. And they're just like, oh, oh, oh okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. There are a lot more layers to this than I think I initially gave it credit for. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You make the mother comparison. Cause I remember I, during mother, I wanted to like go to Darren Aronofsky's house and protest because I was so angry during that movie. And then I got out of it and I read an article about the allegory, like just kind of what you're talking about. And I was like, cool that was like the most brilliant movie i've ever seen but like during it i straight up wanted to die because it's just like i did not understand what was happening and it was really bugging me um, yeah it's just like watching j-law i think she's just fun she is like, in that movie. just watch her cook for like three hours and i'd be perfectly happy was it the infant sacrifice that was really fun for you joe in that movie or? <laughs> just j-law just j-law doing anything i could watch her do her taxes and be like this is nice this just feels right i like when the whole house turns into like a crack den that was my favorite. Yeah. That as a homeowner made me uncomfortable. Like it just <laughs> That was a step too far. Yeah. 
when they rip the sink off the wall sitting with that dissonance of like being like i don't understand it so it must be stupid like i mean i fall into that trap too sometimes where i'm like "Mm, don't like it because i don't get it right away but now that i kind of get it i'm like oh you got me and And there's no hard and fast (laughs) there's no hard and fast rule for me like i've it it really is movie to movie i've seen movies where i don't get it and i'm like well fully admit i had to go read an article and i'll read it and be like all right dude whatever and then there's movies like mother where i'll read the article and be like okay i'm an idiot and now i get it and i apologize like it really just depends on the movie honestly i think uh caitlin what you're talking about with the um i don't get it so this movie sucks is pretty much every review i did from episode 100 to about like (laughs) 250 300 (laughs) hey it's a thing you know Anything, any other parts of this uh, you guys want to bring up? We got it. Cool. I think we got it. Lucky on Shudder streaming now. Would you recommend it, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. I'd also recommend the Britney Spears song because it is delightful. Cool. Casey? I've warmed up on it. I would say, yeah, watch it. Kaylin? Yes. And I don't think John will listen to this episode, but I think he might be disappointed that that I flushed out sort of my anxieties about it and came around so john don't be disappointed in me <laughs> i got a feeling john's gonna listen and i think i mean we should say john like sent an email saying that he definitely recommends he was, this like, <laughs> so. um yeah it's not like a top 10 for me but i think it's it's playing with some interesting ideas there's definitely some interesting visual touches to it it doesn't fully come together for me but i i give it i give it a, a recommend if you're into these you know especially movies with these kinds of themes yeah, like if you, I would say if you thought the election was a hoax, like probably not your thing. Right, but exactly. <laughs> you know. Outside of that. Like, you, know. you know. Speaking of these kinds of themes, Caitlin, your new podcast is about to drop to the masses. Do you want to, you don't have to give us all of it because we're going to, we're about to listen to the trailer world premiere, but you want to just give us a quick elevator pitch for it. Yeah. So it's called Plug It Up. We got that um, classy name from the scene in Carrie where they're throwing tampons at her after she gets her period. Um, But one trope that I used to explore a lot on Thor's Hour of Thunder was the monstrous menstruation trope. And a lot of times that happens where like a character gets their period and sort of chaos ensues. But a lot of times it's not just like the actual act of menstruation, it's coming of age and adolescence in general. So sort of exploring those coming of age themes in horror and, you know, really fleshing out what that looks like. And it's been a lot of fun. Elizabeth has been on a whole bunch of times. Um, Eric and John are helping me with it. It's, it's been a blast. I've been putting, I, I, I think I've been putting about 20 hours of research in every week. So we've got some cool, like anthropological stuff about menstruation going on. Um, You are doing production on this. You have done more production on this show than we have like pre-pro than we have ever done on this show. It's very impressive. (laughs) Yeah, We should mention this too. (laughs) This too is the first and hopefully not the last BGH presents. Um, Like Kayla mentioned, we're helping her produce the show. The feed right now, if you're listening to this live, you can get it in Spotify. Um, Apple had their new feeds paused for a few days before their big like keynote yesterday. So it's been submitted to Apple. By the time you hear this, check your app and it might be there. But the hope is that it'll be populated everywhere and that we can debut your first new episode this coming Tuesday. Um, And then that'll be the release date going forward. It'll be Tuesday mornings. So Yeah, it's been a blast. I've had such a good time and definitely want to give you, John and Elizabeth, shout outs for, for helping so much. But I don't know. It's been so much fun. And if you're familiar with the triple goddess analogy, it's like maiden mother crone. So we're sort of in the maiden phase right now. We're exploring coming of age and horror. 
we're going to explore monstrous motherhood at some point. We're going to explore aging as a woman in horror. So yeah, just sort of like a women's experience in horror and getting a really a feel for that. I love it. Well, it's a really great show. It's really well researched and produced. It's also, I think, a great time for this kind of a thing. So I'm really excited about it. So let's uh, check that out now. Um, the BGH debut of the trailer for Plug It Up. And uh, then stick around after the break and we'll do some fan mail. Hello, spooky friends. Caitlin Grant from Bloody Good Horror here. You know how in the movie Carrie, she gets her first period, and by the end of the movie, she's telekinetically killing people at prom? Or how about in Ginger Snaps, when Ginger gets her first period and subsequently becomes a werewolf? That's called the monstrous menstruation trope, and I'll be unpacking it on my new horror podcast, Plug It Up. Join me and some familiar voices as we explore coming-of-age movies in the horror genre. We've got Carrie, we've got Ginger Snaps, we've got The Witch, we've got lots of great and not-so-great movies to cover. Check out season one of Plug It Up, coming soon. Find us at Plug It Up Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Spooky bleeding. If it's leaking and you're freaking, plug it up, plug it up, plug it up. You know, a lot of people write me and say, Joe Bob Briggs, just what is Monster Vision? You don't need no special glasses or an insect's head. Just a healthy love for slime and disrespect for the dead. We'll talk about some movies by the old double wide. And when you get that creepy feeling creeping up inside, well then you got Monster Vision, it's a heck of a fright. We're tearing the heart out of Saturday night. A primitive drive Cause watching people die Can make you feel so alive So throw away your clicker now The flicks have begun Cause there's nothing you can do While fully dressed it's as fun As watching ENT Beneath the bugs after light We're tearing the heart out Of Saturday night Tearing the heart out Of Saturday night Hey, I'm Joe Bob Briggs, and you're listening to the Bloody Good Horror Podcast. Send feedback to info at bloodygoodhorror.com or on Twitter using hashtag AskPGH. Join Patreon to get back episodes and much more. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. And we're back. Casey, Casey, I can file a word complaint. Casey, I can see you were absolutely tickled by uh, the plug it up theme. Yeah, that's my work complaint. Why don't we have a theme song that good? <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's uh, written and performed by Elizabeth, who's also on the show and has helped produce it. Um, uh, yeah. Joe, what do you think? 
Beautiful. I listened to it actually the uh, the trailer this morning on my run uh, oh. and was very excited. And I think I think you sent us the first episode, Eric, and I have not listened yet, but looking forward to it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very. I have heard some of the episodes, and they're they're super interesting. So I recommend it. Uh, so yeah, yep. check that out now. Um, you can search "Plug It Up" on Spotify, and by the time you get this, check your your own podcast feeds. What's your social stuff, Caitlin? Just so people can follow when. No one. Yeah. What's your social security number? You know what I, you <laughs> know home, what I mean. What's your home address? <laughs> it's a uh, plug it up pod on Instagram and Twitter, and also plug it up pod at gmail.com If anyone has any any thoughts, and I um I did want to say that um you know we've had women on, we've had men on, we you know I'm inviting all kinds of folks on to talk about coming of age and um, period stories are great. So are awkward boner stories. So any of those sort of adolescent women. <laughs> I'm really excited. That's to- something I'm. I know Joe has because he shared many of them on the show. Oh, I've got yeah. No, I, like all kidding aside, I think it's an amazing idea, and I am very excited to hear it. And like, especially going, you know, my daughter is going to be ten soon, and like this <laughs> stuff. I, Caitlin and I kind of message back and forth, like not so much menstruation and like that whole thing, but like you know womanhood and growing up is definitely been like very top of mind specifically for me like the last year i've been seeing a therapist for like the last four months oh my uh, god joe <laughs> yeah I, how do i not know this um so you know it, it, this whole topic like really hits home so i am very excited to joe to i'm gonna need to that person's number if that's okay <laughs> that's between me and him and uh um I, Joe, I've also been seeing a therapist for like almost a year now. So maybe. it's, um, you know, I, I've actually been thinking a lot about it next month, I think is, um, like mental health awareness month. And, uh, I don't know. It's been great. Like this past year, I think has been really difficult for a lot of people, my wife and I included, and it's yeah. been a huge help for me. Um, so, you know, and I'm an asshole, like I'm very sarcastic. So, you know, and I was very apprehensive, but. I think, you know, the moment I sat down with him, like it just kind of started pouring out. So, you know, I, I think if you've ever thought about it, like it's it's worth a shot. And uh, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, I but do. it's, it's, it's I, been I'm, very helpful. It's very just, tender. I like it. I actually went to before therapy this morning and I was like, I don't want to do it. Yeah, I, gave Kaylin a, I gave Kaylin a pre-therapy pep talk this morning. <laughs> I was. And you, you probably had the same issue. Like, a lot of times I stress like what I'm going to talk about this week. Cause like if my week's going okay and then like literally it'll just start like pouring out of me, like the moment we start talking. So it's, it, it's know, great. It's yeah, like it's a, a it's like help. a muscle too. The more you do it, the the easier it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. Plus a good therapist knows the right questions to get you going to love it. Nice. Therapy train BGH. Um, yeah. So check out, uh, plug it up. Caitlin, would you recommend people like Joe use your show as an instructional guide for raising their daughters? <laughs> I mean, there are some candid stories on there, so buckle up. <laughs> um, Joe, no segue yeah. for this, but there's a t-shirt sale happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's the entire month of April. I think, uh, we've been having one every week and we've not been great about promoting it, but, uh, yeah, this will come out on Friday. I think the sale, I think it's all uh, classic teaser, $13 through Saturday night. So if you're listening to this, go and, uh, you know, waste some money on uh, on some of our merch and enjoy. By, by the way, I recently ordered, this is a, an update. If you recall, I've, I've been obsessed with the, uh, the supplier that they get their thin hoodies from. This is an important update. They have changed their supplier. 
Because I ordered one, a small, which normally fit me, and this thing was way too big. They now have an extra small, which probably is what I should have ordered. But it's a different, like, fabric. It's They screwed it up. So if you want the old school T Public thin hoodie, let me know. I'll send you to the uh, wholesaler, and you can get one. I got a, I got a hoodie guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, good. I've been, or, uh, I've been looking for some extra small hoodies. <laughs> yeah. Well, you or can get you any can size. Our, our T-shirt page and uh, buy them from us. You could. <laughs> yeah, you could. Uh, I'm struggling to like come up with some sympathy for you that the small was roomy. So Listen, <laughs> yeah. we all have our own problems. <laughs> we do. We do. Not a problem I can, I can associate myself with. Kaylin, isn't it neat how we're all different? Yeah. <laughs> not in this case <laughs> <laughs> i hate you guys anyway um literally i've probably gained an eric the last year during this <laughs> pandemic and this fuck face is talking about a small is too roomy <laughs> yeah well joe some of us lose weight when we're stressed you know it happens it does um joe bob is back that's pretty cool some something happening in the uh horror community there did any of you guys tune in this weekend? Yes, very much. I'm just sitting here trying to remember what, what movie he did. Mother's Day. Mother, yeah. And something by the cemetery. The um, Oh, House, House by the Cemetery. The cemetery. Yeah. yeah. Not not a couple of bangers for the first week. I will say that. No, I'm not a big Mother's Day fan. I was super disappointed in both. I mean, I always enjoy him, uh, but the movie is not, not my, my top. House part. by the Cemetery is fine. It's about the like fifth or sixth Fulci movie I might recommend to someone. <laughs> it was yeah. really Eli Roth on though. He was, he was pumped. Eli Roth was really good. I'm not always like I, I'm with, I, he can be too yeah. much for me sometimes, but he was super, he, he was like very genuine and yeah. excited. Yeah. And that was really cool to see. And also they had him on um remote cam on a tube TV. Like it was yeah. like Skype, but through an analog TV I need to fi- like I need to find out who produced this so I can figure out exactly yeah. how that was wired because that was amazing. Yeah, that was yeah. As soon as I saw that, I thought about you. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. But it's like I said last week, and somebody uh, wrote in uh, SPGH and asked us what we thought about Eli being on there. It's like I said then, Eli is deep down he's just a horror geek. So say what you will about his movies, the dude gets excited about horror movies. It's fun to listen to him talk about it. I'm cool with that Roth as long as he's not trying to sound politically smart because I feel like that's yeah. where he goes. He by. has the same sort of sometimes in interviews he's a lot like Tarantino where it's just like uh, a hyperactive kid that you like kind of <laughs> want to just like take it down a couple notches, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like we get it, dude. It's cool. We get it. Yeah. You have no job so you just spend all day surfing the internet and so you think you know things. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah uh, i was excited to see joe bob back and i'm excited for this friday oh man yeah and um he we got a question joe about the uh chainsaw awards which i can talk about when it comes up but he won he won for some award yeah he came up with to yeah. give him so it's cool and he gave like he gave like a very joe if you if you watch one part you should watch Joe I did, Bob's yeah. I watched speech his because I, I, I kind of skipped around to the stuff I was interested in, I, but I, figured I, I watched would, his start to finish. And I, he I, always, even honestly, like even when you played the the song during the, uh, you know, when we were cutting to the the, you know, after the movie, I just get like misty anytime I dude, hear his like, acceptance speech. Like he's so genuinely like thrilled. I was, it was getting me. It, yeah, it just, I love it that he's been doing this for so long and he's still so appreciative and like. Even like I got to meet him a couple of years ago when he did uh, his his whole thing here in Chicago and like 
just super friendly and like never a dick. Like it's just, it it's just, it warms the cockles. Like God bless him. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, that's it. That's all I have. My list of topics here. Joe, you want to, uh, head to Twitter? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Really quick. One email, Caitlin Kissimmee. The subject is, this is for Joe. And it's just a picture, I guess, cavity colors now has a tie dye shirt with Psycho Gorman really huge on it. It says hunky boys in big letters. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty sweet. Actually, I'm not a big tie dye fan, but Joe, that might be right up your alley. I, yeah, I'm not a big tie dye fan, even though I don't know if you've, noticed eric but like if you go to lake george new york like you pretty much have to get a tie-dye shirt and and you know that's that's <laughs> right. your existence but i the hunky boys line like i find myself quoting that at least like two or three times a week at this point makes me very happy or do i now, like that i i already the amount that i talk about psycho Gorman, like I think I had put it at just slotted in at number 10 on my list i think it, by the end of the year it's gonna end up like kind of high on my list i feel like mm. I still do, but I like the line. <laughs> What'd you say? You still hate it? Yeah. It's just, yeah, we don't have to rehash it, but it's, it's great- warming up. I like I'm warming up to it as time goes on and I'm never going to watch it. So that means I'm just going to keep like sanding over the edges in my mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Eric, it's part of my process, Caitlin. You have the danger girls in CC and Sophie. That's true. And you guys are the hunky boys. Yeah. So. I thought we were the danger boys. We were the original danger boys. <laughs> I would say you're more hunky than dangerous, which is nice. Yeah, thank you, Kate. I'll take either I'll take one it. of those things, frankly. That's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Joe has to have his contacts back in. <laughs> All right, assholes. All right. Like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I always thought they made me look smart, but all right. Um, yeah, we're on uh we're on Twitter at BG Horror. Uh every week we post up. You can use the hashtag askbgh to send in questions or, or comments or whatever. Uh, first up from my buddy Erie, Arizona. Can we get a spinoff podcast where Schnars attempts to briefly synopsize films he has seen and Joe makes smart ass comments while he does it? Uh, that's my favorite part of the show. Um, that's my favorite part of the show, too. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry he wasn't here this week to, to do it. Um, but I think, no, John and I would never put the effort into doing something like that. <laughs> Uh, next up from Deus Ex Manity, uh, my my number one fan, Renee. What's your least favorite song? Mine's Benny and the Jets. I hate it so much. Um, and Renee, I feel like this is going to be our first quarrel because I love that song. <laughs> oh, that's a pretty great song. Yeah. Um, right? Tiptoe yeah. Through the Tulips by Tiny Tim. Easy. Mm-hmm. Eric. What do you mean? Come on. What? It's, you know, it's, a goddamn, it's become a horror classic. It's a nightmare. No, but it's, yeah, it's but, too real. Yeah. It's not it's not cool, scary. It's bad, scary. <laughs> I would say... It gives me a feeling in my soul. Like, it makes me want to jump out of my skin and run away from my skin. Like, that's what <laughs> it makes me feel like. That's interesting, because that's not like a... I hate this song because I don't like this song. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this fair. song terrifies me. <laughs> yeah. I would this, say... It's like this song opens the gates of hell, and I yeah. can't stand it. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Caitlin, you got anything? I don't know. I like most things. Um, <laughs> I, I like most things. <laughs> it's true. My my aunt is a wedding planner, and um, there are a couple of like drinking game type rules that she came up with for weddings. One of them is that the bridesmaid or the maid of honor speech is always going to go. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Caitlin. <laughs> 
For those of you who don't know me, as part of it. And then the second blah, one. Blah, blah, and I have been a- friends since we were in Little Girl. Yeah, I've heard this before. <laughs> Inside jokes, like terrible speech. Um, and then another one is that if it's a white people wedding, they're going to play Don't Stop Believing. And well, not a bad song. That's okay. But it has become sort of like, you know, like, oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, the, the Sopranos kind of ruined that song. You know what, Joe? Like, I really hate Nickelback, and I refuse to give in to the, like, there's cool. been a lot of internet backlash like, it's not cool to hate Nickelback. It's gone the other way where people are like, just let people like Nickelback. They're fine. I refuse to go back on it. I hate Nickelback. And I'm sorry, Joe. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I, to me, it got obnoxious because it just felt like it it's, was like a trendy thing to do, right? It's specifically like, the photograph song. Something about hearing that dude say, look at this photograph makes me want to jump. I mean, I don't know. The, uh, what's that? That Playboy Mansion song? Um Fucking classic. Uh, what are you even talking about? Playboy Mansion the, song. Yeah, the the the. Hey, I wanna be a rock star. Oh. <laughs> I'm through with standing in lines and playing murder, <laughs> Right, that song. Is that a yeah, new running that's playlist? A, that's a be- yes. It is actually <laughs> that. And, uh, this is how you remind me. You can't fuck with those. Like. Classic. If I had to take, I say, if I had to yeah, take sorry. a Nickelback song, it would be "This Is How You Remind Me." Yeah, it's good, right? Like, I mean, I'm just here. saying, if I had to pick one, I'm not saying it's good. I um, I in general hate wedding songs, like the Electric Slide, like any of those. But if I had to pick, like, I I loathe the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and like, I I to, got to a place like five years ago where I decided like it's an asshole thing to like judge anyone based on music, but like. If you love the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I think you're a disgusting trash person. Um, and that Californication song, like, fuck you. Like, like fuck that. them and fuck you. I, I like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm pretty cool in general with, like, I'm okay with, I'm at peace with, like, white people wedding music. Mm. But my line is anything that involves, like, group dancing. Like, get Get out that, of my face yeah, with group sorry. dancing. That's what I should have specified. Like the chicken dance, the or electric like slide. Or like the cha-cha, I, I, yeah, y'all, whatever that song is. No. no the chocolate. cha-cha slide. Have I told you my cha-cha slide song uh, story? <laughs> Please. With the, uh, like at uh, an office party years ago, one of our account guys was dancing that song and his dick was so gigantic. <laughs> and like he would do the cha and like literally you could see it like just <laughs> slapping against his pants. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> like gigantic and it has traumatized me oh my God. for years and like anytime i hear that song it's like curl up in a ball on the floor like this guy's cock was so fucking big i'm gonna bring this up in my therapy session so yeah. like... <laughs> i think he needs to bring it up on joe you should write Plug that down in case time. you're out of ideas next week it was <laughs> gigantic gigantic like oh my god because there's the whole like you know two times and like you slap down and it was just like doof, doof. holy crap dude i think Unreal. this counts as a coming of age story for joe it was like he had a <laughs> wiffle ball bat in his pants or something dude good lord <laughs> so yeah that unfortunately one you just painted a really good mental picture and now it's in my head yeah yeah well i mean i was like picture like a sales guy right because he's like in like a suit yeah no, so it's I, like those thin slides well, not like jeans or anything yes, it's just I like know what you're talking about <laughs> i hate this app so much i hate it What's, i might have to slide which, whistle every time you made that sound <laughs> <laughs> we should move on. Uh, next up, our good friend uh, Skizbot. 
What's your favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? Time Cop is so dumb, but I love it. Easy. Street Fighter, the movie. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever watched a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Yeah, I don't really like any of them except Street Fighter. Although uh, oh, I was huge into it when I was raiding the uh, mom and pop video stores back in the day. I was always huge on Bloodsport. I was going to say Bloodsport can be pretty dope if you catch it on cable or something. Well, uh, Bloodsport had like karate and shit. I didn't know who Jean-Claude Van Damme was, but it had Ogre from the Revenge of the Nerds. I was going right? to say, yeah, like his, his sidekick <laughs> is like Ogre in that movie, and that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, all right, a couple more here, and then we'll jump to Instagram. Uh, our friend Kyle, uh, that's at We All Rage in Gold. Just to clarify from last week, I'm the guy from Madison, Wisconsin, who met Joe at a concert. I think art is subjective, and Eric did nothing wrong. <laughs> I don't remember what we were talking Read about. Read us again. I, I zoned out for But that was Eric that being, uh, that was about Eric and Godzilla, right? Yeah, that guy wrote in, um, oh, yeah. about the character but i think you mistook him for this guy that's writing on twitter yeah probably (laughs) either way it was very nice meeting you kyle you were you were a great person um last but not least uh on twitter uh casey kern at casey kern 2 in light of the announcement of vin diesel starring in rock'em sock'em robots uh what would your ideal board game based film and who would play the lead I think we've already had the ideal board game based game in Clue with Tim Clue. Kirk yeah, you can't really beat that. Although I, I thought they were doing a remake, weren't I they? I don't really like yeah. board games. I think I think I've discussed this before. I'm not a big fan. I feel like you could do a Candyland in a really trippy way. Oh yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm not that, sure who I'd want. Surely there is a script sitting somewhere that's been written for a Candyland movie that just didn't get made. I'm positive. Yeah, I don't imagine that. <laughs> somewhere there is a script to a Candyland movie sitting in Nick Cage's inbox. <laughs> I think it's like a let's do a mousetrap movie, but the story is like you can't figure out how to make the mousetrap because no one ever could. So you just screw around with the pieces and then you put it away and play a better game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Over on Instagram, we're on there at Bloody Good Horror. Every Tuesday we post up. You can send in questions. I'll make dumb comments and then we'll uh, we'll read it on the show. Uh, first up, our uh, our friend who re- refuses to use the form is back. Uh, she's got a two parter. Uh, first up, did you miss me? That is all. Um, anybody? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, scratch that question. Uh, you're Randy Jackson, and I am getting a ticket to Hollywood after the acoustic ode to menstruation. Oh, sorry. You're Randy Jackson. Am I getting a ticket to Hollywood after the acoustic ode to menstruation? Yes. I've now heard Joe say that word twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> menstruation? Nice. It's yes. weirder with the glasses on. Yes, from me. Yes. Yes, dog. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad, but Randy Jackson's standards... I don't think you're going to make it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is he even alive? Yeah. Yeah, he's still oh, He's super show. skinny. I don't know. Who watches American Idol? I don't know. Somebody. It's still on, right? I don't mean that as an insult, but I feel like you got to be like the cream of the crop to get to Hollywood. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's pretty amazing. Dope. <laughs> What'd you say? Our theme song is dope. Come on. It is. It's no, it's dope. great. It's it's good. I don't, I don't think it's Hollywood material. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we should move on uh what's your go-to munchie when you're stoned um this yes. came in yesterday 420 pizza hut um, cold pizza hut yeah. 
Mm. I'm all about the savory stuff. Like I will a, literally, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Caitlin. Like a wonton, like any mm-hmm. kind of like greasy spring roll wonton, any uh, of that. Kind. Yeah, for sure. There, honestly, and this was my comment. Like literally, I will walk into our kitchen and just <laughs> fucking eat anything I see, like within yeah. my eyesight. I'm, um, I'm, I'm always going to peanuts and potato chips, unfortunately, but yeah. my God, it makes me happy. Which is why I will never fit into a small. Uh, <laughs> next up, yep. is getting a sister wife a good idea? Mm-mm. I've thought about it. Have you? <laughs> that was it's awesome. Just, it sounds exhausting. <laughs> about like, it. I love my wife and like we have a great time together, but like. I don't understand how you do like two or three like multiple marriages. Like it just seems like it sounds like a lot of work and management to me, Joe. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. My question to Caitlin is are you like the patriarch in this scenario? Like you have two sister wives, or are you like one part of a sister wife couple and there's a man and like a uh, (laughs) she can do what she wants. Well, that's I know that's why I'm asking. (laughs) I think it'll depend on the dynamic. Um I'm to, to various, you know that stupid show. Or would you want brother husbands? No, <laughs> <laughs> no that sounds terrible. That stupid show with the guy that has sister wives. He's so dumb. Like I don't know how he got one wife and he has like four. I think yeah. I think Mormonism is the answer to that question. They did. Uh, they did do brother husbands on Raising Hope once. What was that show? Big Love. My wife loved yeah. that show. Did anybody watch that? Any? Mm-mm. No. I feel like I watched a couple episodes and I was Paxton, like, right. right? Bill Paxton? Yeah. There's an episode where they go to the Hill Kamora pageant, which I believe is, I forget where it is, but I remember as a child, we went and saw that. Um, like, it's like this huge, they pretty much retell the entire story of um, whatever the fuck they believe on like the side of a mountain. Whatever the and fuck. I was watching it with Leslie and I realized as a kid, we went and saw this whole thing happen. Like we went to like their gathering. Um, that's it. That's the end of the story. Like nothing else <laughs> happened. I had a, a jump in the fire Metallica uh, jacket like with mid- Satan on the back, and I felt like a badass. <laughs> Was this like a mid- midsummer ass esque uh, situation when they're like people committing ritual suicide I, off a cliff? I, yeah, I think we we got out of there early so we could avoid traffic. But I think if we had stayed till the end, yeah, <laughs> like, I would definitely be in a cult. <laughs> Do you still have uh, the jacket? I'm sorry? Do you still have the jacket? Uh, I don't. Um, actually, I mean, maybe. Maybe at my parents' house. Like, I supported uh, jean jackets long after they went out of style. <laughs> They're back in style, Joe. I just got one. A black. I know. One. I should have just hung with it. And, and yeah, so did the whole Canadian Olympic team. Hmm. Wow. The Canadian tuxedo is the... Uh... <laughs> um, all right. Next up. This is a good question. Party hard or I get wet? I don't know what any of that means. Come again. Andrew WK, his oh. first album, Party Hard or I Get Wet, the two songs. I would go I Get Wet any day of the week, uh, but that entire album, masterpiece. Although there is a really amazing slash incredibly frustrating indie video game called Party Hard that is about like you are a person trying to sleep and there's a party happening next to where you're trying to sleep. And so your job, it's like all 2D, like overhead view. And your job is to kill all the party goers without getting arrested. And you look like, oh. like, you look like Michael Myers, but it's like, 
you can stab people, but you got to try to do it around corners when no one can see you. And then you have to dispose of bodies or you try to set up scenarios where people have accidents and die. Like you can like poison the punch or it's basically like all, um, procedurally generated like trial and error. And it's very frustrating and interesting. Um, call party hard. It's on like, it's on the steamies, Joe. Yeah. I remember that. It's probably on switch. I think it's on switch too. I'm sure. I feel like you ruined the question, but that's fine. Well, I, that's. Uh, I feel like you, <laughs> I uh, all right. Better. This one I think you will get, Eric. Uh, so season nine of Seinfeld rules. Am I crazy? That is the rare show that literally kept getting better every year until it ended. And like, even at the time, a lot of people, if you were like, or if you're old enough, Joe, like us, to remember pop culture, yeah. the question was like, why are you ending it now? And like everybody involved was basically like, we want to go out. We want to go out now before it goes downhill. Yeah, I've watched like every season of Seinfeld so many times over and over. But when um, he said in this question, I went back and looked specifically at season nine and it is amazing. Like it's the one with the Frogger episode. Yes. It's the one with the Festivus episode. It just episode. got so bizarre in the best way. It is so good. And I like I didn't realize like it's the one with the Wiz like it is such a great season and I will never love a show as much as I love Seinfeld. When that show ended, it was a cultural, like collective cultural moment in a way that just doesn't because of the internet will never happen again. I was in college and we got out of class early to, to go. <laughs> and our professor was pretty much like, yeah, like just go home and watch Seinfeld. Like we know you want to. And Dude, I did <laughs> for real. It was a big deal. I remember like being like verklempt over it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of I the final episode gets a lot of flack, but it's fine. Looking it, back now, I was kind of like, all right, that's fine. But like the more I watch it now, I love it. Like, I think it's so perfect. Because a for, happy for ending for that show would have made zero sense with what every episode of that show was about. There's like honestly, the last scene where Jerry is doing stand-up in a prison and that guy yells, I'm gonna cut you. <laughs> like that alone is like yeah. one of the funniest things I've ever heard on a on a TV show. Yeah, man, that show was cool. So I agree. Yeah, season nine of Seinfeld was dope. Uh, next up, and this is a good question. Um, what is a diva cup? Caitlin? <laughs> a diva cup is a flexible silicone or a rubber cup that you insert in place of other femcare products, and it collects your menstrual blood, and you can dump it out and wash it and then reinsert. And they're having a comeback, but they're kind of old school, right? They, so I've been reading this book from the 70s called The Curse. I've also been reading a modern book called Flow, but it's all about sort of the cultural history of menstruation. And there's a lot of information on, you know, femcare or commercialized femcare products. And yeah, the, so the Diva Cup, Luna Cup, all those sort of menstrual cups first, you know, appeared on the market in like the 70s. Right. But I think they've come back online in a major way because of A, environmentalism. So, you know, right. a lot of femcare products are bad for the environment. And also B, for, you know, sanitation reasons a lot of women don't like to you know have single-use cotton and and that's uncomfortable for them so they're more comfortable with you know the clean feel of rubber there you go i would kill caitlin to see your google ad recommendations on like every platform you're on just based on all the books you're ordering <laughs> it's fucking crazy <laughs> <laughs> so wouldn't that isn't oh god can't oh, wait whoa, oh, whoa, casey. whoa whoa casey <laughs> I no, see your gears turning. Why don't you? No, why don't you head to the chat, along buddy? The lines of logistics, like I know it is. That's isn't why I'm that saying a bad potential for a lot of mess. 
Um, so it, it creates like a seal, so there's less chance of leakage than with a tampon. Um, the only messy part is like, yeah, when you when you pull it out, you do have to like dump the blood out, and that is can be messy. But for a lot of women, it's much more secure in terms of leakage than a tampon or a pad. Kaylin, Casey's going to need your number so we can text you some further questions. I have. I, I hope I have all the answers. I've got a house full of women. I'm not that alien to it. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that scene in, uh, I think it was the beginning of the Black Christmas remake, uh, yes. where, like, specifically the uh, the one roommate is screaming, I can't find my diva cup. And it just felt very like, all right, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very I get it moment about that Black Christmas yeah. remake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up, 420 horror movie. How about Idle Hands? Yeah, Idle Hands yeah. would probably be my good go-to. One. He has a really know. sick bowl in that movie that is like a, an inhaler that opens yes. up that he carries around his neck. It's so stupid. I love it. That's uh, the one where, uh, what's his name, uh, the redhead guy that's on Family Guy had the beer bottle and lodged in his head the entire time, right? <laughs> yes, Seth, uh, Green. Seth Green. Joe, do you yeah. remember, this is not a horror movie, but I this is a movie that I, I really have wanted to revisit. It's a comedy that I saw as a kid from the 90s called The Stoned Age. I remember that. It's one. like that a was heavy good. metal stoner movie from like nine, the early nineties. Oh, it was like a bad, um, dazed and confused. Kind of, off, right? I yeah. yeah. I just, I remember watching it when I was young and being like, thinking it was cool because it was like dangerous. Yes. Yeah. I remember we rented that because literally the cover is just like a girl with her boobs hanging out and it was like a Friday night and I'm like, I like boobs. We should totally <laughs> rent this. It's not good. It's not a great movie. Yeah. I want to see it just, just to know. I want to know. Yeah. Yeah, it was very much like a dazed and confused kind of like, yeah, let's let's do this. And we'll put some boobies on the cover. So idiot guys like me will will rent it. <laughs> it worked. And they got me. Yeah. Uh, what's the line between slasher and murder mystery with multiple victims? Is it the level of violence? I think it's if you have one of those curly Q mustaches, like the <laughs> like, like the that. Yeah, like I think that makes it a murder mystery, right? It is a fine line. It is a fine line for sure. Because I remember being really excited for um, Murder on the Orient Express, and I actually went and saw it yeah. in theaters, which is a rare like non horror movie that I went out to see, and yeah. didn't kind of realize like I I don't know. I remember sitting down and being like, oh okay, this is like a different thing, but it's a very fine line. Those movies are kind of like fancier. They're just a. Like Knives well, Out, too, is like a very fancy uh, affair. Yeah. Well, the Not biggest clue. difference has got to be like in a slasher, we know who's doing the killing, whereas a mystery, we don't, right? Well, not always, well, right? Not because true. a lot of time, like, you know, uh, the original Friday the 13th, it's all just like through the eyes and, you know, you don't it's know more what's of a going style. on. Yeah, but it's, it's also a big ass, you know, it's a big ass dude in a hockey mask. You we know the what? viewers do, whereas in a mystery, you don't know that necessarily. I think a lot of it's esoteric, though. I think a lot of it's in style and presentation. Like, you can almost take the same story with a totally different score and like directorial style. And one could be a horror movie and one could be a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. I think to Joe's Joe's joking, but like his thing about the mustache is kind of like a good, like distillation of the difference. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) Did you see by the way Uh, that Ryan Johnson, Ryan, Ryan, I don't know how to say his name. He, um, Netflix is gave him like a crap ton of money to make two sequels to knives out for net just for Netflix. Oh yeah. Wasn't just, there a just, joke floating around or like somebody made like there was like 13 knives out movies that the Netflix is going to be working on. Um, that was a good story, right? I just told <laughs> I'd have to see it. 
Uh, do you enjoy 3D as a gimmick in horror movies? I do, but I also wear <laughs> corrective lenses, and I have to be wearing my contacts and not glasses. Otherwise, it's just the worst. <laughs> yeah. I refuse to go I, to a 3D movie until they fix the problem with the projectors being too dark, because once I found discovered that, I could not unsee it, and it's it's infuriating. I think we got sick of it when it like became like a big thing, but I think now if like just a random horror movie came out and it was 3D, I would be super excited to to go see it. Yeah, the modern stuff wasn't as exciting, but like the old ones, like the Friday the Thirteenth that was in 3D or the Freddy that was oh, yeah. in 3D, that was exciting shit. Um, <laughs> all right, here's one. I dropped all my doggy coins down a drain in midtown can schnars help me what is it dodge, do- coins? Doge, dodge, dodge coins doge it doge, doge coins it's doge. a this is like a meme based cryptocurrency joe i understand fucking none of um, this and it makes me feel so old i know that they are non-fungible tokens NFTs. Um, it's like bitcoin joe but there's like a there's like a million different kinds of like bitcoin's kind of the like recognized oh. mainstream version and there's a lot of like uh, they're it's designer. Big, it's like big underground punk. shit, Joe. Basically, that's yeah. I, like there was that SNL <laughs> skit like a couple weeks ago where they talked about it, and I'm just like, I this isn't even funny because I don't understand what I'm you're only about. starting to understand it a little better. Actually, Mondo on Slack is kind of being my Sherpa, and he's kind of walking me through some of the stuff because I've been interested. I saw in people stuff. talking yeah. about that, and I'm like, I don't like this. Well, that thread in particular, like <laughs> I have not understood Bitcoin for years. <laughs> And that thread on Slack in particular made me like, okay, God damn it. I'm going to, I just need to go figure this out. And so I started doing some research. Yeah. I just know my neighbor who doesn't clean his lawn and just has like shit, like lying around everywhere, tried to get me into like a Bitcoin thing. And I'm like, if you're into it, like I know, like it's not something I want to be a part of. (laughs) You know, someone related and not to get off topic, but Eric, you'll enjoy this. I bought a video game today. And it, it turns out I bought um like a version of an Xbox game that like I don't even own because I didn't realize there were like different versions anymore. And I've never <laughs> felt so fucking old. <laughs> what like game? there's an X, Xbox X series now or something. I just No, that was the older one. Now it's S. Honestly, what? dude, I'm on yeah. the PC. I don't even pay attention to that stuff anymore. So you're, so you're probably right. I literally, I just wanted to buy a baseball game that I could play for the rest of my life. And <laughs> apparently there's like 19 versions of the Xbox now. And the version I bought doesn't even work on mine. When you go back and have to return it and tell them that, can you record it so we can play it? <laughs> <laughs> can I request that as a cameo, actually? <laughs> I want to make it my ringtone. Where are you cardigan when you do it? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> Any opinion on Sunday's Fangoria Chainsaw Awards? It was really cool. Like I wasn't, I'm not a big on award shows at all. I missed it the night of, but I, it's on YouTube. You can go back and stream it. I really enjoyed the dude. He's an actor, the the dude who hosted it, who was really just hamming it up and having fun with it. And what I liked is like, there was just no bullshit, like no waiting for somebody to walk up on a stage. It was just like vignette after vignette. The announcers were quick and the speeches were pretty short. It was pretty, it was like a pretty like feel good, uh, genre affair. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. I, I skimmed through. I thought it was nice. Jamie Lee Curtis. I love that. Like she does that stuff, right? Like she doesn't need to do like the fucking chainsaw awards, no. but like she will like, it's, I it's thought, yeah. very hard. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, what's, what is the scariest real life location you've ever been to? Mm, I mean, I, I, Eric and mine, I bet is the exact same place. Um, are we talking spooky, scary, or I might get murder scary in real life. Scary. Like, you know what I mean? I think either one in general. Um, 
I took a wrong turn in New Orleans once and ended up in a neighborhood where a local, oh. a local, a local <laughs> strolled different. up and was like, you guys don't look like you're from here. You probably want to head back in that direction. Like literally it was like the harbinger of doom. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely like when I was in college, um, I drunkenly tried to give a buddy of mine directions back to my apartment and we ended up in some sketchy neighborhoods, but I was thinking more like spooky, scary, like, um, what is it? Devil's or uh, wolf's hollow. Wolf's Eric, hollow is upstate real New York. Yeah. Hands down the like most terrified I've ever been. I was also like super high when we were driving through there, but like, it's this area in upstate New York and like pretty much you drive down uh, like this backwoods road and like there's just tall pines like on your left. It's and basically right. a valley. So like there's yeah. there, there's hills on both sides that right from the edge of the road go like straight up at like 45 degree angles and then yeah. trees are growing out of them. So when you're driving down in there at night, it's pitch black basically. And the rumor is that there's like satanic cults in there and stuff and like, you know, abandoned a, caverns and like, yeah, there's a million dumb like urban legends. So it's got, yeah. it's got some energy. <laughs> and we also have there. the old, uh, like the, the TB asylum, um, in upstate, which is also like terrifying. Yeah. Nice. There's think- a, I've been through some old, like abandoned farmhouses and stuff that have been, people have been there and squatting in it and tagged them and stuff like that. And you're out in the middle of nowhere and the closer you get to Knox, Indiana, the, scarier it gets yeah i gotta imagine like casey if you just went to like a town hall meeting um in in indiana it would be the most terrifying (laughs) thing you could see knox indiana is what you guys all imagine indiana is yeah (laughs) joe legit i think the scariest thing i've ever seen is that sloth decal i sent you guys a couple weeks ago when i was walking (laughs) through that parking lot i mean i can't think of a time i've ever been more scared I think uh for me so i lived in santiago in in chile in my mid-20s and I had a boyfriend at the time and it was his birthday coming up and Chile has a lot of um, observatories because the air, it's really arid in certain parts of Chile. So there's not a lot of clouds and you can really see the skies. And I was like, I'm going to plan a trip to the observatory for him. And I did. And we got in this van, like an unmarked van. And this stranger drove us up a mountain in Chile at like 90 miles an hour, like straight up the mountain, no guardrails. And I was like, we're in a car with a stranger going up a mountain. I don't know where the fuck we're going. And I like, I think I took like three out of him that night. And I was like, <laughs> I was like this was not a well-planned birthday surprise, but. I like it. That sounds so uh, Do you guys ever argue about sports? No. L- literally never, right? I think a lot, we're like various levels of sports fans, but nobody here is like a, very big like diehard sports like Casey with his college football might be the closest honestly or Schnars yeah. with his, his stupid Duke basketball team well I usually bring up like Notre Dame football when it's in season trying to go Schnars into something and it never works and it kind of peters out that's about our, the extent of all of us I grew I up watching a ton of sports and I'll still chill out on like a fall Sunday afternoon and watch some football but I don't really care about it enough to get like fired up about it yeah uh, what's everyone's vaccination status? I get my second shot next Monday. Thanks, Bill Gates. I'm about a week I and am- a half out for my first shot. And I guess so I got about a week and a half for my second Pfizer. Yeah. I'm fully vaxxed. <laughs> yeah, I'll be two weeks out for my second shot on Friday. I realized yeah. when I read this too, when I replied, I thought he said vacation status. Um, <laughs> Not so enough. I replied with like what vacations we have planned. Hot girl summer. Yeah. Uh, next up, happy 420, Chuck or Chili. I don't know what that means. I didn't understand either, so I just said a little bit of both. 
Um, <laughs> all right. This is a good one, too. More of a comment. Tried a Diva Cup for the first time yesterday. Disaster. <laughs> I've heard they're complicated. Or, like, not complicated, but you got to kind of, like, get it right. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. not my choice. Like, and I, and that's, I think you're reading these in a different order because that one came in first and then the other person was it like... It did, yeah, but it's just the way that they show in the, the app. I'm not a user, so I don't have any tips, but, you know, thanks for trying. Uh, verdict on the Creep Show TV series. This came in last week and I ranted on it. It's fine. The second season is fine, which is better than the first season. I watched I've only watched the first episode. Yeah, I've only too. watched the first episode of uh, the second season so far, and that second half of that, the, the uh, yes. public access channel of the dead was pretty ace. That to me was better than pretty much anything in the first season. I thought. Yeah. Uh, here's a tough one. Most underrated horror movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that exists anymore. Like every weird obscure horror movie has some group of people obsessed with it. Yeah. Oh, that was more uh, for first... like back in the day when just like, I don't know when everyone decided when everyone in the world decided they hated Halloween three, then if you liked it, then it was, then you could be like Halloween three is underrated, but like, yeah, that makes sense. it has a cult now. Uh, my first pint of Guinness after 16 months in lockdown, uh, in a beer garden. And it was great. It's not really a question, just a comment and a, a nice one. You've messed with Guinness, Joe. I mean, yeah, if if I can, you know, I, I would prefer something, you know. There's not I'm a lot not, to it, like flavor-wise. There's not a lot going on. It's a little too sweet for my liking. Like, I'm not a big fan of, like, the milk stouts because I don't like the sweetness. Just, like, I, like, I like stouts because they have almost, like, a coffee feel to them, and I don't like cream or sugar in my coffee. I just like, you know, anger and rage. <laughs> uh, so, in a stout, I like something a little drier. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll drink it if it's available. Never had. Uh, oh, Caitlin. I know. It's it's like a liquid lunch. It's yeah. crazy. Like, uh, you ever like to all of a sudden Joe have a beer out of like a clean tap and be like, oh, I didn't know what this tasted like. Because <laughs> apparently well, I've been the- drinking out of disgusting. Like, I, I had been drinking like Sam Summer Ale for years and then got and I- one out of what must have been a clean tap and was like, this is incredible. Like, what the hell have I been drinking? That was literally going to be my example. Like Sam Boston Lager, I think it's delicious if you can get it like fresh out of like a yeah. clean tap. But like nine times out of ten, you're having it at a TGI Fridays that hasn't right. been like cleaned in, in 13 years, and it tastes it's like crazy. duty. But like it's a delicious beer if you can get it like fresh. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Um, that's it for uh, for questions. Love it. We don't know what we're doing next week, but we sure do. It's Mortal Kombat, oh, and it comes out yeah. this weekend. Sorry, Joe. It's- Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Psyched. <laughs> I get to tell all my uh, growing up Mortal Kombat stories. It was very influential on me, Joe. Yeah. I can't wait. Love it. I think it's on demand and in theaters, probably. Uh, HBO Max, right? Like it's on, Yeah, I think it's got like a limited run as well. Nice. Yes. Oh, man, I'm so close to being able to go back to a theater. I can feel it. <laughs> so excited. All right, guys, it's going to do it for our show on Lucky. Don't forget, this coming Tuesday, if Apple, uh, we'll put the episode out, so check it out on Spotify, but keep keep an eye on those Apple feeds for Plug It Up and follow Caitlin on social, Plug It Up Pod. Is that right? That's right. Plug It Up Pod. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, check us out here, same place next week, where we'll be discussing Mortal Kombat. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you then.
I think you go first, Caitlin. I don't even oh, know. Oh, bye. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye.